Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Box I Live In podcast with founder Ben Reeve and my erstwhile colleague, Mr. Blake Howard. Hello, Ben. I love, I love podcast producer, but erstwhile colleague. I love it. Just love that. Podcast impresario, I've been called once or twice, and that's pretty exciting for me as well. Good to be back, mate. Good to see I you. Think, I think we've, because it's just you and I today, right? We're, we're changing the process a little bit because we've kind of done the interviews with the people and we felt that we needed to step out and just you and I kind of share our learnings from it, I think, and then talk about what we want to do. And ultimately, as you and I both know, you know, we're heading towards summer, so we're going to take the break and then we'll come back and we'll kick it off. So um, I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe that we kind of did what we said we did. Because I think when we, you know, the, the thing, I mean, let's be honest, I had got you on board to hold me accountable. So first of all, thank you. because you've you've actually allowed and made me do something that I said I was going to do. And, and I'm struggling a little bit that, you know, when we kicked off, we weren't in lockdown and then we kind of went through lockdown, certainly here in Australia. And we're sort of out now. But again, just the convenience of actually just you and I having a chat and actually how the technology works. Right. And and that for me is it's this exciting part. So uh, first of so all, kudos to you for holding me accountable. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you're welcome. And it's also kind of insane because you know, we've really ridden the full experience and a lot of the people that we've been talking to have had really vastly wild, like vastly and wildly different lockdown experiences too. So, you know, hopefully while people were having less of a commute time, number one, and two, going through probably their own, you know, career existential crises across the way that some of the people that we've chatted to have you know, like inspired them or shaken something loose because, you know, it's been a while, it is truly a wild couple of years. And I feel like in the last six months in New South Wales and Oz, where we both are based, it's been wild. I, that's what made me laugh. I did smile because someone said, how long do you record it for? And I was talking to one of the guests, I can't remember. I said, oh, it's about 40, 45 minutes because that's the time of the average commute. And then it was like... <laughs> Mm, is it because no one's going anywhere you know and, and again it's interesting because you know obviously the UK and you know Tom and Louise opened up earlier and all that kind of stuff but it, it, it's it's pretty interesting for me because it hasn't stopped you know this is the joy of the technology you know my business you know the last 18 months hasn't actually missed a beat I, mm. I've been as busy as I wanted to be which is testimony, I think, to the willingness of organisations to want to keep going, but also the fact to how you make the medium work. And yes. and and so, like, it's, it, it's, it's interesting because like, when you and I first spoke about the podcast, you know, I, I listened to three or four, as I said, yeah. and, and I get, I'm starting to get my head around it. There's still no substitute for me of, of having that interaction, the one-on-one face-to-face conversation. But what I found is sort of over Zoom, like you and I having a chat today, if you've got willing participants, you can make it work. And, and that's kind of exciting. That any time you have a willing participant, you know, you, you know, we've talked about my transition from the corporate life to education. And even when you're talking to a student, um, uh, on zoom, you know, the most exciting thing is so many kids that they don't want their cameras on and they don't even want their microphones on a lot of the time. So sometimes you're talking and literally communicating with like a chat bot, but it's an individual on the other end. And so when a kid is like willing to be on the mic and chat and, and especially us, We've had some wonderful guests that have done this over Zoom with us, like who, uh, you know, they're, they're excited to be here. Their passion just like jumps through the technology. Uh, so that's, I think that that like, that it still can transcend. You can still have that. Like you said, the willingness, if they're there, if they're passionate, it just shines through. And and I think, you know, if you go back and look at over the guests, and like that's some of the stuff that we'll talk about today is, is 
they're actually a really good representation of who I get to work with, you know, from captains of industry, managing 50,000 people (laughs) to CEOs of their own business to, you know, individuals that are working in the not-for-profit, for-purpose sector, entrepreneurs, and then also, but people within the system. And, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, let's be honest, the guest list came because one, I kind of could get access to them. And (laughs) two, they're actually people that I genuinely find interesting and get on with. And, And it was funny because the primary aim was let's, let's get talk to some interesting people. But then as I've sat back and reflected on it, it's kind of what's made them, what they all got in common. And, and I think this is probably my first learning. And if we reflect on the podcast is, is they all work within a system, whether it's their own business or what have you, they're not the mavericks, you know, you're not, we're not talking to anybody that's going to, you know, they'll change the world, but in their own world, they're working within a system, but they all march the beat of their own drum. They all are working and charting their course through whatever environment they're in. And that that sense of whether it's empowerment or accountability, I think means they've got a different process or a different view of what's possible. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, for me, this idea of, and this is the whole idea of talking to the guys is how do they actually function? How do they work? But they, they, they see opportunity and I don't think they see necessity. Now, again, you know, I know most of them, they, it's not like they've grown up and walked up into a, an environment where they've been handed stuff apart from Tom Hall, but he's made it work. And so that, you know, that was the first thing for me was just reflecting on that. And it's kind of interesting because I, that's the, you know, like we have a conversation, but it's what's behind those conversations that I guess is some of my learnings. Yeah. Look, I think the only person that I would say is a truly marching to their own drum, uh, that we've spoken to is Adam Lindsay. Uh, I think Adam, I, I don't know if he's marching to his own drum, but he's listening to a different tune than I think a lot of regular people are. He's Adam is a, is a special individual, but no, to be true to that, I, I just think what's amazing about all the stories that we've heard from sort of as like a high level for me is, is the ability to, to have this very, I don't want to say detached, but very pragmatic objective perspective about what you're doing and where you are in your career and what actually is going to be the thing that drives you. And so for so many of the individuals we've spoken to at any given points, you know, whether it was, you know, you mentioned Tom, but like Tom being in this business and having this sort of self existential crisis about who he wanted to be as a leader and what he wanted the company to represent and then figuring out how to, uh, to, to shift that and bend it to his will or you get someone like, you know, our lo- lovely last guest, like Navros, uh, Cotwell, who, who just, wherever I'm going, I'm going to do a great job. And I just feel like some of those phrases, like wherever I'm going, I'm going to do a great job and I'm going to work as hard as I can work. and I'm going to make a positive impact when I get there. But it's also, it's not just that they can, they have the ability to make an impact in whatever they do. It's then this self-awareness piece that I think you're talking about that starts to, this is harder to place of like, I actually know that in this job, maybe this isn't the, this isn't the end step. It's actually a beginning step. Yeah. And it's interesting because I summarized it. So as I said, you know, as you know, I'm an, I'm an educator at heart, <laughs> I, even though, you know, sometimes it feels like I'm more like a bloody stand up comic, but it's, it's, I'm looking for the process and the things that we can learn from the guests. Mm. And, and, and this is still, this has been my challenge. And I said to you, you know, as we're going through the podcast process and me learning about it is I'm not sure whether it's kind of our entertainment and something to occupy some time, or I'm running this like I run one of my training programs where I'm distilling the takeaways. Therefore, this is the lesson. And how do you execute that? And I, and I think the answer is yes, it's both. 
It's both. And, 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 and what you've just said for me is exactly what I thought about. I, I think what you get, and, and this is what I've seen in a lot of the people that I think have been able to, and it's not success, actually. It's more about navigate what they want out of life and, and take control is I think they know what they're good at and they know what they want, but also they're humble and they're prepared to learn and they listen. And, and there's almost this, this duality of confidence and assuredness, but also this humbleness of when it gets to a point where they don't know, and this was nav all over, right? I don't know. It's that they're okay. But what, what they've got is this ability to ask the questions and be comfortable without being the subject matter expert because they learn and they can run a process to learn. They know the questions to ask yeah. to recover the information. And, and I think that's the common, common thread through all these individuals. And I think that for me is probably what's attracted me to them other than the sort of vanilla, I've got to be careful here because half of them are my clients, <laughs> right? But it's the vanilla corporate type approach, which says, this is what you do and where you should be. Yes. They're, they're, as it comes back to my point, they're marching to the beat of their own drum, but working the system for the benefit of themselves, but also those around them. And, and, and like, how do you train that? You know, that's my question in my head because of all these conversations. And for our listeners, it's like, well, how do I do that? And it's interesting because it comes back to this. Actually, the question is, well, what do you want? You know, do you feel empowered and how, do you, what do you want? And then what skills do you need to make the world, you know, basically for you to interact with the world and give you what you want? So it, it's, it's, it's validation to a certain degree that one, they're good people. And two, I know why I like them. But two, there's also, it links back to some of the conversations that we have had and the learnings that are there. Yeah. I love what you said there about the process. Like it's the process of it's, I think all of these people are so confident in their ability to adapt. You know, I think in some of their heads, they haven't necessarily thought of it as a learning thing, but it's like, oh, if I have to adapt to do that, I'll just do it. Like I will chunk that information. I'll be fine. And actually part of that, it's this weird efficiency impulse, right? And I saw that in a couple of the people that we talked to where it's just like, they're in there. They know they can learn. Like even Christopher McIntosh, who we spoke to, and his wild and wonderful career tra trajectory is like, as he's pivoting, the ability to go, I don't want to do this. I'm going to go back and re-educate. I'm going to retrain into something. It's just literally like, I've got a, a hugely established career. I have enough IP to write a book about it, but then cool. I'm just going to go re-educate myself on something. And I think that takes a fearlessness that I think some of the corporate systems that both you and I have encountered in our lives for whatever reason starts to instill this hesitation. And what's awesome about almost everyone we've spoken to is that they just don't have that, that they they've got enough to back themselves. You know, I think a lot of people, they get institutionalized in long-term jobs and they're like, Oh my God, what, what other job could I possibly do? And, you know, the advice that I know that you and I know that I give all the time is like, you cannot devalue how important your experience and your IP is of all of your experiences and all the things you've already done to naturally evolve. You don't have to be scared. Like you can do anything. And so I think all of these individuals that we've spoken to, that's one of the key takeaways I keep getting from everyone. It's just like this determination to do it. They can do it. They can adapt. They can pivot. And it actually is a waste of time to fluff, as we say, no fluff, right? Um, it's actually a waste of time to say that you know the answer to something when you don't. It's actually way more efficient to go, I don't know, tell me, <laughs> please yeah, help that, me. That, that adaptability piece is probably, again, that 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 key desire and the willingness to learn. Yes. So so let, let me run this past you then, right? So again, as I said, you know, my my 
my natural inclination is to analyze to understand and so i've gone through all of our guests oh. and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give you give us the highlights my, give me what my well i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give you the takeaways yes. this is what i've learned from them and then we can we can sense check right so let's start at the very beginning with sarah again you know who made the transition like you've been doing from that corporate environment to setting up her own gig. And obviously, you know, we work closely together now. She works with me in the business. I, I think the things that the lessons I took for Sarah, for our listeners, well, the first one is listen to that voice. If it mm. doesn't feel right, then you got to listen to that and understand it. And, and if, if there is a genuine misalignment between your values and what you want to do long-term and what you're doing, then, listen to that and and, yeah. and you know then and, and i think what she did really well was she planned the transition so again you know being the the most unlikely accountant you'd ever meet she kind of took time to actually plan through knowing that her passion was the public speaking but the bit that resonated for me that sarah said and this this for me i think is for a lot of our listeners and even for myself is you listen to the voice you do the planning but she said don't talk yourself out of it she said, find a way or think about how do I make this happen? I think when you make this path and it gets hard and you don't have the answers, it's so easy to go, this is too hard. And you go back. But she said, keep going. You know, don't talk yourself out of it. Keep thinking it through. Go and do the side hustle. And I think there's so many times that when it gets hard, the natural thing is to retreat back. But, it, you know, that that's almost the disservice. That's when you've got to keep going, at least in the intellectual thinking behind what's possible. I loved when Sarah talked about that, the voice, the little voice that was like an epiphany for me, because I think there are so many times in your career where you hear the voice and you just dismiss it, right? It's like a whisper in your ear. It's like an unwanted, you know, it's like an unwanted advance from your own subconscious. And you're like, get out of here. I don't need you telling me that this is a bad decision. And I, I, I love that because there are so many more people that should listen to their instinctive lure towards things. Cause I feel like that that's them, like without any, without any, uh, artifice is like revealing what they actually want. And, and then to take that out of the sort of, uh, you know, hokum sort of sense, um, Sarah, like, you know, make the plan and don't talk yourself out of it. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. She was absolutely terrific. And yeah, again, the actual monetary thing and also not having the answer forever. That's the other thing I really took away from Sarah was like, she was planning it for a year. You know, she was planning it for six months first. And when the six months worked, she tried to plan it for a year. And so I think that some folks like six months is a long time to continue planning. You don't have to stop planning. You can keep doing the work and keep running the plans and keep checking and adjusting. Uh, but yeah, really special. Don't quiet that little voice inside that, that is telling you is luring you towards probably what is ultimately your passion. And I think the other thing, which then leads into that talking about my sister, Louise is, you know, having the people around you that support you and, and think like that, you know, the, the don't go and find the people that validate how hard it is. Go and find the people that look for what's possible. And I think that's that's what stood out for me with Louise, you know, who, as I said at the time, you know, if people don't know, she's, she was, you know, the GM for whatever, Whitbrig and the board and all that. And, but she's also my sister. And, and as I said, you know, as, as much as I know her as an individual, we don't talk shop. I don't have never been in the businesses she's worked with or seen it. But what struck me with Louise is, again, it's a leadership lesson, is her refusal to accept that it's just a job. That it's a, you know, everybody comes to work for a reason. And I, and I think that confidence as leaders that when you believe in something 
and you're able to articulate that with passion and with general general you know with a, with a genuine approach how enticing it is because all of a sudden if somebody says to you i believe in you and i think this is possible that just it's almost like you take away the barriers and you follow them or you think well they must know more than i do and i think as a leader it's not the arrogance. I find there's a lot of people that tell you what you should think and what you should do, but it's that genuine belief in trying to create environments for people to be successful. And that kind of, we're going to make this happen approach. Yeah. And, and like I said, I think for me, that is so intoxicating. And I think that's what's lacking so much in today's world. You get a lot of people playing the part, but is their heart in it? And when you get someone that's genuinely aligned and passionate about what they do in a large organization, you can see the flow and effect it has from a cultural perspective. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the tools that you've given me in my both leadership and sort of, I guess, uh, approach toolkit is, you know, just understanding that, you know, that simple grow model, you know, that I think back to that all the time, because what the goal and actually articulating why you're here, the why, you know, why we do it, why we get up every day and maybe go to a job is it for your family? Is it for those things? Is that the reason that you're doing it? Is this a stepping stone? Whatever that is, actually taking the time to just briefly pause and understand that is so critical. And when you've got a leader that like doesn't almost, not even gives you permission, but almost demands, passionately demands that you take that own sort of moral inventory on yourself about why you're doing the job and why you're there and to be there for that reason. Um, yeah, it's special. And like Louise, you know, we were talking, we weren't talking about t 10 people being engaged or four people being engaged or a hundred. We're talking about 50,000 people <laughs> at one point that was in the footprint of one of the companies that Louisa was working for. So Louise was working for. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's very special, but uh, you know, there's such clarity in that. It's like, why ever you're here is the right reason for you. Um, and we can all be on the same pathway, but it's not, it, if you just dismiss it as the reason that it makes your money and don't realize that you're making money for a, a wider purpose, then you're almost setting yourself up to fail as it is. Well, and I think one of the things that I'm seeing more and more in today's world, particularly as we kind of return to whatever this new normal is, is, is the need for this leadership. And, you know, you talk about the grow model there for the listeners and, and, you know, that's a, that's a coaching technique. It's, it's, it's this present state, what's happening today, which is the reality then it's actually this desired state. What does success look like? Mm. And, and I think, and I think there's a lot of people that do goal setting and vision boards and in a present state, desired state. But actually, then the reality or the 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 ability. What are your options? How do you go from where you are to where you want to get to? And that transition plan and the options you take. That's where the hard yards are, right? <laughs> you know, having the vision for some is absolutely, but for most of us, you can kind of dream of a future. But then how do you get there and how do you make that a reality? And that's this leadership that's required because it, it's out of it, it sets the context for what we're doing. And I think when, a, when, when you get very focused on today, which is what's going to happen and the technology comes in, it was happening beforehand. Mm. If you don't have these people that can pop you out of that and say, well, what's possible and challenge you and again, believe in you, like you were saying, then I think we end up just managing today. And, and, and that's where it gets tiring. And I think there's a lot of people that, you know, are in that space and whether it's the businesses that need to reset or the individuals. And, and that actually brings something else that Louise said that has long actually been a bit of a, I'm seeing it for me is the quality of the communication within an organization. 
and it, and it's gone you know the nice thing about covid and everything else is i think we've learned that mental health and the ability to check in on the well-being of people is just something we need to be doing it, and it always yeah. was but now it's on the radar I, I actually think that communication around that desired state and what we want but not just as a client said to me the other day he goes you know we're talking about plan on a page and he said ben my people don't come into work to see my plan on a page. Yeah. <laughs> but I said, yeah, but it's what it communicates and how you communicate to what it means to them that's needed because that sets the context. And then ultimately, you know, that should reflect why they turn up today, but also why they're going to turn up tomorrow because it makes a viable business. And then it talks to the culture and the communication piece. So the quality of communication, and we spoke about that, I think, with some of her leaders and even her senior guys and girls, is getting them to be comfortable with that ambiguity, getting them comfortable not to have all the answers, but to take, you know, just listen and not defend and justify, but just to say, well, let's solve this. Or even to say, you know what, that's not, we're not going to solve it. I, you know, that clarity, people might not like it, but I know when I was an exec, it's like sometimes the best thing I can say is we're doing this, but that I'm not doing that because now, unless you all tell me this, but normally it's one or two people with an opinion. I'm like, that's great. But is that going to change the material impact of my business? So that clarity of communication, I think, comes through quite clearly. And that's something I thought about and reflected after we spoke to Lou. Yeah. Communication candor with Lou struck me. That 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 phrase, like, I'd love, if, if, if you're a leader, my best advice to you in any context, and you know, this is me now speaking with my sort of senior communications manager hat on. Of course, that was I, your gig, wasn't it? That was your jam. That was my jam. <laughs> it is just a level of authenticity and comfort in sitting in a problem and not having an answer immediately. Like there is something so underrated about sleeping on things. And there is something so underrated about clarifying and understanding an issue and listening to it deeply and then saying, we'll come back. And, and then also the caveats of we may not, this may not be a problem we can solve overnight, you know, and giving people some context around that because, and you know, and, and again, I also think in, in huge company context as well in this corporate world, as we're seeing certain levels of corporate advance, and we're going to talk about it with, I think, a couple of our other guests, we see certain things advance in technology and things like that. And other things, you know, bureaucratic mechanisms or whatever, they still seem to, you know, you still seem to trudge through them. And I, I think some people are impatient with the lack of momentum in certain things too. So I love that when you've got a great leader, like, I can't change this overnight because I'm not Apple. You know, I'm not Google. We can't change this and have a billion dollars to fix the problem overnight with some technological miracle solution. This is the way that we've got to do it for now. We're on a roadmap. The next step is X, you know, and, and I think that, yeah, I always find that leaders that are just like straight to the point and direct and very candid, but very clear on what the direction is, uh, they're always going to be the winners and they're going to surround themselves with great people because people get attracted to candor, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, then it flows kind of into Tom and we spoke about his authenticity and working out what he wants to do. I, I, and I think the other thing that I took from Tom is his willingness to work up and down his business. You know, mm. it's very easy to sort of protect that senior team and to kind of have the chain of command. You know, the, this master stroke we did with when we put the box into Tom's business, as we spoke about, was take his talent, the people that probably you know, had maybe seen some of this stuff, but really do they need it? But we went and talked at that level mm. and then we brought it back to the exec. And what was interesting, it was, I don't think his exec felt like he was doing something to undermine them. They just got that that's how he was going to work. 
you know, he wasn't going to rely on them. He was going to support them. It's not a threat. It's him saying, well, actually, I can help you with this. But ultimately, I'm going to hold you accountable for it. And, and I think, again, you know, this ability for organizations and individuals within organizations to break down some of this hierarchy and these barriers, but also but to have these, these communications, multiple channels, different people, skip level meetings. You know, it's one of those things I've constantly banged on about if you're working in any structure is, you know, if you've got manager and you've got managers beneath you and then people, you know, set up this discipline of skip level, go and talk to them. And it's, it's not because we're trying to find stuff. It's just that you've got open channels of communication. Nothing and so I is think- going to surprise you if you have a discipline of skip meetings. Whereas if you spend a year talking to your own managers, that might be a problem. <laughs> well, and you know, as a, as someone that's been in there and had my boss talking to my people, I loved it because I, yeah. oft, often, often it was better for my boss who had more power than me to tell them the stuff I've been saying. I used to tear them up and say, look, you know, I'm telling them it, but they're hearing it from you and it's consistent, then actually that's what we need. So like I said, I think with Tom and, and, and the learning there is just this, this capacity to break down some of those traditional barriers and, and work up and down your organization. And, and I think the future innovation and the growth in a business is not going to come all the time from that senior level because they've created what they've got. You've almost got to go and tap into that. There's other clients I'm working with at the moment. And you need to give the, the younger the younger guys, there you go, I'm going to forget that, but the frameworks <laughs> to get out of the reality. But they've got the ideas. And it, it's kind of, you know, that for me is how you work up and down the org. That, that, so that was a really interesting thing with Tom. And look, we caught up with some of his guys last week and the process is still happening. And, you know, it, it's not like a, there's magic fairy dust. Some get it, some don't, some aren't interested. And that's okay. And he, and he said that. He goes, you know, this is an invitation to play. And you decide exactly what you said earlier on. How do you want to play? And I'll support you. And yes. there's a job to be done, and that's fine. But if you want to do it nine to five, no problem. If you want to do nine to five plus 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 because you've got aspirations, I'll work with you. But tell me what you want. Yes, uh, there is a, a buzzword that you probably hear in folks who are now in corporate here quite a bit, which is agitation. Right? These young upstart companies, these new entities that are breaking into ground, they're agitating different industries, you know, and the greatest one of all time. And, you know, if you guys are now watching the video, you're seeing me hold up my iPhone, the, the iPhone agitated every industry, telecommunications, internet, banking, you, food delivery, a ride, uh, you know, getting a ride, you name it, it agitated it. Um, travel agents, see you later, you know, those sorts of things. But I, what I loved about Tom's conversation so much, Ben, is the idea of companies self-agitating because that's what he was doing with the box at the bottom. He was truly, I mean, that's the measure for me of not only someone who is, you know, a, a, quite a brave businessman, if you like, because that experiment can go wrong. Um, and it seems like it's gone really well. Um, but I just think that that is the agitation of your infrastructure and your people is almost as important as your ability as a company to agitate in your industry. Because if you're not willing to self agitate in that respect, like shake things up in the way that you do things in your own company, then how can you expect to be this dynamic business that's going to go in and agitate whatever your industry or your patch is. And so I, I found that that's what I was struck by with Tom, because there's so many CEOs that and, and CFOs and very interesting people that you encounter on your LinkedIn's and your Ted talks, etc. But I, the self agitation in that business was something that was inspirational to me. Well, and then I think let's link that then to agitation at another level, which was the conversation you and I had with Michelle. Yes. And I, and I put you and Michelle in a very similar boat. And I think when I, <laughs> when I wrote the blog 
to go with it. I sort of said, I reckon you both be buggers to manage <laughs> because, you know, and we spoke about, and, and for me, Michelle is a classic case and you're probably the classic case of, you know, what is that, that, that contributor in today's world? Because in the old days, you'd sit there, you'd contribute, you'd toe the line and you'd basically follow the career path. But I think, you know, what I loved about Michelle is she knows what she wants but she also appreciates how she fits in. And it's not just like the arrogance of, well, I'm good at this. You don't get that. You get, I know what I want. I know what I can do. I know the contribution I can have to the team. And there's a strong awareness of others around you, which I know you have, but there's also that ability to question and to not just sort of accept the system is going to deliver. And, and I think for me, you know, that's a real skill because I think when you're in that space, if you don't have that emotional intelligence to be able to pitch that right, you do come across as a pain in the ass and a bugger to manage <laughs> and an arrogant so-and-so. Whereas when it's pitched right and it's done right, but also I think there's this tolerance. And I think Michelle, I, I'm not even sure if she she's aware of it. And I, and I think you kind of learned it certainly, I think more towards the end of your career. Yeah. You know, you know that you can ask the challenging questions, but can the actual individuals deal with it? And, you know, there's one thing between asking a difficult question and then having a leader flounder and you're almost exposing them, which is almost done because of innocence of, well, they're the leader they should know. But I think you, I know you saw this later on in your career is you knew that you were certain questions they're not answering. But if you ask that in a public forum, all you're going to do is put this guy or girl on the back oh. foot and it's going to make it's going to derail the whole thing. <laughs> Yes. And, and so you kind of, you and, and I think to Michelle's perspective, what she's done smartly is she's known that, and I don't even know if she gets it, but then she's kind of said, well, if this infrastructure or this ecosystem or this leadership team can't accommodate me, then rather than expose it and blow it all up and get, you know, get upset with it, I'll, I'll look after my career and we'll leave on good terms. Yeah. And, and I think that's a real skill. Otherwise, you are a bugger to manage, but there's no, there's no, there's no style to go with the substance. You know what I mean? It's too raw. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say there's, there's in a, a, the beginning of my career, I would liken myself to a sledgehammer. And uh, at the end of my career, I would liken myself to some, you know, some delicate tool with it that a surgeon would use, you know, because you just hone your craft to go, is this the right time? or oh, this is the right forum. And sometimes it's, a much more of an enclosed forum and a private forum and you're posing questions and you're being inquisitive about an entire process. Or have we thought, you know, please, because I haven't been here for a long time, have, can you educate me with this? Can you give me some insights about why this is done a certain way, et cetera? And yeah, look, I think Michelle's raw personal intuition of just sort of going like, I don't like Michelle, I got, was struck by, she almost walks into businesses, you know, based on her stories and she's like, they passed a smell test, you know, like, it does this, does, does this crew feel like they're vibing on my frequency? And she's got a great EQ with that. Like, and if they're not, she's like, cool. Hey, it's been great. High fives all around. See ya. And she just leaves. And it's actually so admirable. It's like, oh, like you can't bend every position to your will. You can't. And I think a lot of companies, I don't think it's a lie, but I think it's like a beautiful aspiration to say, oh, you can make whatever role, you can make the role yours, et cetera. But I think there is a certain level of like, there is an ecosystem that you have to operate within. And if you're not patient, and that's especially, you know, in in, in younger person like Michelle, if you're not patient to take the time to wait and see how you fit in that operation, but, and you can sense that you don't fit, there's nothing wrong with a short-term dalliance. Yeah, and I think I think the key is you keep contributing, right? And the work yes. speaks for itself. The work speaks for itself.
So there we go. Where are we up to? Let's do this. Let's do Rada. So Rada for me, who I've known for a long time. I love it oh. when people quote back when she says, you know, the one thing you taught me and my, I take a deep breath, something and what on earth it is, you know, fundamentally I'm telling a high performer to be more lazy. You know, I, Max- I, before you even say this, this is where when we were together in a room, it was my favorite thing when someone's like, Ben, the one thing you taught me and your eyes would go so wide. The whites of your eyes were as wide as they've ever been. And I'd be like, he's worried that it's going to be something cheeky or something crass. And, and when it's actually something genuine and Rada's was kind of like one of those ones that if you, if you took it one way, it could be kind of cheeky, but no, it was actually genuinely a driving force where it was about maximizing her impact. I remember it very fondly. I remember it very Maximum fondly. return for minimum amount of effort. Be as lazy as you could be <laughs> I, I think i think for me you know what's interesting with rather about her the vocation that what she cares but what i took out of that was when we're talking about you know being centered and the breathing and it's almost you know if you lose yourself to whatever cause genuinely you know is that actually doing yourself any good so this ability to sort of you know worry about the planet but then do it one breath at a time mm-hmm. for me was kind of that connection i really love the fact that the juxtaposition of you know the, the, the real solve the problems but equally i've got a life to leave and how do i connect the two and, and i think the other one that stood out for me and it's probably an area that maybe we explore in in the future as we talk to more people is her social consciousness you know when we're talking about climate change and the impact it wasn't, you know, you know, go and plant trees. She just said, get out and vote. It's like make your opinion count or have an opinion. And and I felt, I felt for me that, you know, and I've been on the planet a lot longer than you guys have. I just, it's just, I wonder. I'm starting to wake up to it now, and I've never been, you know, and yet I've voted and I've been interested, but I've never been really active in terms of having a say. And and I guess maybe that's a legacy of well, you know, one not that I can't have an influence, but I'll be looked after. But I thought her observation around educate yourself and use that vote and make your opinion, have an opinion and make it count. And she wasn't saying either way was kind of very interesting for me personally, because again, I know there's very active people, but I think there's a lot of us out there that just let it go by and leave it to others. I loved Rather's solution orientation in her entire career about climate change. And I think that, you know, so much of, if there's any great lesson you can be taught in any business or any problem solving thing and any kind of, contentious or conflict issue you know i mean climate change i think is often unfairly contentious because it you know for me it seems pretty straightforward but um but but i think what she when she was talking about look we know that business you know her entire philosophy like businesses are going to exist companies are going to want to use environmental resources but we can just make it better we can just do it better and we can and we can try and leave things with reducing the overall impact and you know potential habitat loss and all those things that have profound impact on the way that we live our lives, but we can just do it better. And so I think that that was also a massive one for me, right? It's just like exactly as you said, the breath, the sensitiveness, but it was just like sometimes I almost feel like that guiding breath that Rather was talking about and I think that, I, uh, that I've certainly taken with me from our conversation is just such a great guiding light towards solution orientation in general. Like... Am I going to think about the moment and this argument or this challenge that's in front of me that's making me breathless and frustrated? Or am I going to take this breath and go, what are we actually, what is the fight? Like, what is the, what is the fight? And if the fight is climate change and our impact, then how can we embrace the fact that we still have to do business, but there's money to be made in doing it better? I think in all of this that comes to my head as we talk about it is this word of facilitation. 
you know, I, I, I facilitate a process of education or I go in and facilitate teams. And, yes. and for me, this capacity, and it goes back to what you're saying about present state to desired state, you know, it's having this construct of how do we get from where we are to where we want to be in whatever format and what's the process to do it. And, and, and equally it is the hard yards is doing the work, but it's the, comes back to that setting that context and having the people with the right attitude and the culture to actually execute it. And, and like I said, it's, 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 it's funny because these are, these are fluffy words, but they're very real and it's very practical. Yes. And I think, and I think when you listen to what our guests have done, they've demonstrated what's possible. And even already, you know, you and I have kind of listed out what we've taken and it becomes very practical, but it does take this capacity, as you said, to take a breath and to pause and to think and then go and do and get the result. It's not this autopilot. And I think, again, just links back to what we we're saying, that self-awareness piece and that ability to adapt. There's a great educational researcher by the name of John Hattie. He's an Australian researcher and he's done a lot of, uh, lot of sort of consolidating studies uh in the in sort of the the most simple terms of what is literally the most you know effective evidence-based teaching practices across all of education especially in a high school um and and primary school context and one of the most effective strangely enough i know there's a lot of like fluffy different educational things but i think this is so you this is your entire process it's called explicit teaching and I think, you know, almost, you know, and I don't mean explicit because you use bad language, which sometimes you do, but, um, uh, but I'm actually but, very good. I'm, I'm, I don't, that's the thing. As I said, I think I don't swear that much because there's a, I get canceled. Yeah. But on explicit teaching. What is it? Explicit teaching is just, it is leaving no room for assumption. It is, it is such a direct, um, and systematic approach to, uh, outlining and teaching people what they need to know. So if you're going to teach someone explicitly, let's just say, for example, you want to write, you want them to write a short story. You don't just say, Hey, write a short story. You tell them, you teach them explicitly the genre that you're discussing. You then explicitly teach them what's called the meta language. So the language that describes the genre that the genre typically uses. You then show them in a worked example or you write and collaborate one together and then you create what's called a scaffold like you create a partially completed one that they can contribute to themselves and then you give them that so what you're doing is you're you're basically creating these key process steps and i feel like that what we've been talking about and what's so great about the box and so great about these tools is what we're figuring out is that intuitively every one of these people explicitly like explicitly undertakes their career they make explicit choices, right? They have an explicit process, even though it's implicit for them. But when, when, we, when we're unpacking it, it's so explicit the way that they process the information, the way that they think about their lives, and they're just so direct. And I feel like that's what you do is you, you make these implicit things explicit, right? These things that um, I think people need to know. And by making the processes explicit and really clear and outlining them and almost highlighting them, the gaps in your game or the, or the, or the missing pieces to your toolkit really start to scream at you. And I feel like that's what you're a great facilitator having watched you do it multiple times when people are sharing these stories in your rooms and, or people are sharing the stories on this show. I can watch your eyes cause I've seen you do it a few times and I'm seeing you go, Oh, well, here's the gap. Like there's the trapdoor. I can see it. You're, you're drawing the trapdoor for me right now. So I feel like that's well, what, that's what you're doing. 
well, it comes back to me analyzing and trying to understand the systems or the processes, the mental process that are people going through. And that brings me to Christopher, because, you know, I loved, I loved, as you already mentioned, you know, he called it a scenic career path and how he <laughs> went from sort of, you know, the professional career to something else. And, and I think he said, you know, this is what happens when you don't have a plan. <laughs> and I was reflecting on that. Cause I'm like, that's bullshit because he has had a plan. He, he has, it's not like he's just making it up. He's had, but the goals that he's set himself when he's got there, like he's gone from this present state, I want to do this, whatever it was, you know, be the lawyer, be the solicitor, write the book. He's always had the goals, but what he's got is what you mentioned earlier on is the ability to adapt and change and not accept that because he's put time and energy and that has to be it. Yes. And, and so it was interesting when he says, I don't plan because I'm like, yeah, you do plan. But what you do is you plan almost in horizons. And then when you get there, you've got this ability to say, actually, that doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right. So I'll go again. And, and for me, you know, there's anybody out there that wants a lesson in what is possible. Now, again, you've got to appreciate that he's put the hard yards in to get the qualifications, yeah. to get the expertise. He hasn't sat back and said, I don't like it. I want to do something else and expected the world then to give him that. He's invested his money, his energy. It's cost him to go on this career path. But what's interesting is in the old days, that wouldn't have even been an option. But in today's world, that transferable skill set, and I think you talk about this quite, quite eloquently and a lot about, you know, what takes and what skills you build in a, in a corporate space are equally applicable in a teaching space, in a, you know, in a podcasting space. There's transferable skills. But in the modern world, it's possible. But the point is, you got to have some sort of direction to start with. But if yeah. you arrive there and it's not the right destination, then let's change the itinerary. Let's go on this scenic tour. So for me, that was interesting because, again, it's very easy to take at face value what people say. But then, I, again, that comes back to the trap door. I'm like, oh, I don't buy that. You know, and I, and I think about him. I'm like, now nah, you plan, mate. It's just you plan on shorter horizons. Yeah. The, I mean, the guts, right? The guts that some people and it's you, you nailed it on the horizons because you've even said it to me. I've got so many mates who are in corporate, Ben, and I think you and I have had probably more, you know, I, I'm kind of blessed as the podcast producer here because I have Ben as a resource and a friend um, to sort of shoot the shoot the breeze with about whatever's going on. And I know so many people, and I imagine Christopher has this exponentially more because of his profound success in certain parts of his career. But like people are like, you're not going back to corporate. What do you mean? Like what? Like they just can't even, you're going to education? what is wrong with you? Why would you do that to yourself? And it's almost like, don't you've got all this IP, you've got this experience, you've got this resume, you've got these connections, go. And I'm like, no, this is what I'm doing. Like I got to the horizon. You just nailed it. I didn't realize, what, but I got to the horizon. I was like, I don't like it here. I got to get out. I got to go. Well, well and, and there's no better example than Denise oh. from her career where she, you know, had the corporate career, thought she was going to be this you know, ended up getting there and starting there and thinking, actually, the you know, this for purpose sector goes off and jumps into that, does some fundraising role that probably pays her a third of what she was on from the profession, but ultimately ends up in a role where that combination of insight from a commercial perspective, but also from a for purpose perspective yeah. is so valuable. And, and, and for me, you know, there, there's some stuff and some, I'm running a program at the moment with some more of the sort of the change makers that work in a for purpose sort of spectrum. Uh, in, this, in that space and it's fascinating because 
they just they just built differently you know whether they've come at it as 21 year olds and they've had a you know career or even not even a career but the start of their career they've got a passion or i got rob on the program who's like you know at the other end he used to run factories from Motorola and now he's running social enterprises employing uh, ex-offenders ex-prisoners you know they the thing they don't lack is the empathy they don't lack they, they get all of that but sometimes it's that commercial smarts of we are competing and, and and you know I thought Denise just such a good job of of being able to marry the two and educate again you know in a way that was about trying to create a better for everybody and seeing her job as part of that process, whether it's people with money or people without money, she's like the ultimate matchmaker. And I, you know, <laughs> I can see, I spoke to her actually the other day, I rang her up, we had a quick chat and I, you know, I can see what I said to her, I could, you know, I was reviewing the podcast we spoke, I said, I can see why it's your dream job because you're getting to play in the best of both worlds. Yeah. Look, I, I think also what impressed me with Denise particularly is that there's an increasing lack of, uh, the concept of delayed gratification in life in general and Denise's ability to be in this peak moment again, make a bit of a plan. And she, the, the transition wasn't overnight. It was like almost a year of like working like part-time, I think in corporate and then part-time basically for no money for some other thing that led to the next thing, which was also really short money. And just like the fact that she was like, I've just got to put these yards in. I've just got to do this work. I've just got to make this transition and make this commitment for X amount of time. And I'll give myself a, a timeline, another horizon, a smaller horizon that if I'm not on this new path by this t date, I'm going to change back. But man, that impressed me. Like, it, it just just to go yep no this is not right this is not right for me this is not what i want to do and yeah just you know being the ability to that it's not over i think that that's that's such a great and you put it so perfectly there's such a great lie of like i'm going to go and do this i'm going to go to university i'm going to go and get this job and then that job is the last job i'm ever going to be in in my life and it's just like is it yeah do yeah. you believe that well and i think you know if we bridge then to 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 nav who was our last <laughs> last i feel like i just say last, last contestant you know and i, I <laughs> felt was. i, I felt think we were contestants on his show then he was amazing I, I, and i felt you know there was, i was umming and ahhing about nav because he's a participant on a program and and there's a certain degree of and i think he's just sort of like why do you want to talk to me but i just i he you know he, I, I haven't said this to him and he'll hear it now or i'll talk to him i'm talking to him next week I can't help feeling that what he's doing, and you mentioned it earlier on in the pod, right? He's, you know, he's he's squeezing the life out of the opportunities and he sees it as a chance to learn, but also to take others with him and to give back. I I, I, I can't help feeling that like everything he's doing at the moment is him preparing himself for something, his life's work. He, he's, yeah. he's, he's, you know, and that's, that for me was so cool because, and, you know, there were times when you and I spoke about it afterwards. It was like, you know, he loves, God, he loves the business. And it's so easy to be cynical. But the reason he loves the business because he sees what it brings. And 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 there's there's that that unique and this broader epistemology of how he sees the world. He's, in a, yeah. he's like, he's just got this wonderful worldview based on all his history and what he's done in the army failures. And he tells a great story and it's like, he's the sort of guy I want to follow, you know? And yeah. I, and I, I don't, I just, I get, I mean, it's not, I look at him and I think I'm interested to, this is what I always love about the job that I do is over the years, you get to track where people go and what they do. And as you said, you know, I, I think the corporate gig he's very good at, I think it serves him well. He serves the business incredibly well. But I do in the back of my head wonder, yeah, but this is this is the warm up for some main game somewhere at some stage. Uh, someone's going to find Nav. <laughs> someone's going to find him. Some company, he's going to help some business. And they're going to be so 
utterly flabbergasted with how enthusiastic and passionate and just refreshingly direct that he is and that they are just going to, someone's going to go, man, this guy that we talked to at the bank, he's just outstanding. Like he should work for us. Um, and yeah, I feel like, I mean, he's really, you know, he was so fun to listen to, you know, as he said, you know, the, you know, uh, we called the episode one of his quotes, which is the desk is a dangerous place to view the world from. And I just was like, <laughs> a guy who can has that level of insight. He's not staying there for long, man. He's going to hit the ground. He wants to be among people. He wants to affect change. Like, yeah, as you said, a special guy, a really special guy. And, and then that kind of brings us back, you know, to the last guest. Or, uh, and the one that for me, from a, just a personal sort of friendship perspective, Adam, who I hadn't seen for 10 years, you know, and last time we spoke, he was, I was writing a book and he was going to start a business, which, you know, and he's there. And a couple of things, you know, I think the risk appetite for Adam, you know, in oh. terms of his willingness to, to take a punt. I, and you can't train that. And, and you know, no you can, but you can. And for me, the lesson was, what have what's what's the consequence if you give it a go you know what i mean it's like i i'll analyze it and almost it goes back to what sarah said talk yourself out of it and 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 for me it was kind of just that yeah <laughs> do well, you think what's that the... adam has ever had time to talk himself out of things i think adam is like <laughs> the adam's worst nightmare must be that you can do that you know the amazon i think has like instant click purchase where you don't even have to put your credit card details just bang like the tap culture for adam bang i want to buy a crate full of juices bang done like just tap it it's done I, I, it was that was i i think adam has never been a person in his life that has never not listened to that voice in fact he's probably been on the phone to someone and that voice has said adam adam i've got this idea I, and he just hangs the phone up i gotta go you know bang he's he's off he I, I think the other thing is and this is comes back to just how how attractive you know people that are themselves and he's a funny bugger and it took me back you know i think i think i loved adam because you kind of i want to i want to buy what he's got because he makes <laughs> it fun you know i can i can see why he's got so many hundreds of thousands of millions of followers because he's loving what he's doing and i think he said that you know he's an educator he likes to help people at heart and i think yeah. that comes through and, and that's a hot tip, Ben. He said, I, I'm a madman for a hot tip. I'd love to get, get ahead and share, share my latest hot tip with you. And for me, though, it does come back to that, you know, you don't have to be, you know, the, the funniest person in the world, but when you're doing what you believe in and what you're passionate about, and, and I think, you know, this is the nice thing for most of the people that you and I will talk to is yes, yes, there's been hardship, but most of us, you know, if we're moaning about what we don't have or the quality of the coffee or whatever, you know, we're in a better position than a lot of people. We have choice. Yes. And I think, you know, when you take someone like an Adam who's used that opportunity to grab life, do the things, go on the journeys and and really is passionate about it, it is intoxicating. Yeah. You, you want to be near them because there's something of what do they know that I don't know? And if you don't know, you don't want to be near them, then it's, that's okay. But you know, the point is you can never fault them for giving it a go. And like I said, I, I think, you know, for me with, with everything we've gone through with the pod, it still comes back to this ability to, to sort of almost stop, evaluate, wake yourself up, empower yourself, and then work on the things that we need. So for me, it was a great validation that the box concept is right. Cause all these people, though we didn't talk about it very much, you can almost see that they've got the process and the system working. And, and like I said, it, it's, it's interesting for our listeners because yes, entertaining, but also, well, what are the takeaways? Hopefully we've been able to summarize a few there. 
Yeah, I think one of the things, even though we kind of, you know, some of the episodes, like if we talk about our episode with Tom and, you know, seeing the growth in people and business, you know, that was a very box heavy direct episode because it was more like charting that experience. But I think what I got out of it is because, you know, you and I had conceptually talked about the box for a long time and then we saw that it was when it materialized Then we talked about this show. And what I got out of it was I just started seeing what you were seeing in people who had been successful. Uh, and it was this level of adaptability and it was this level of candor and it was this appetite for risk and it was this, you know, this ability to be humble and as you said extremely confident and and really you know clear with how they communicate and what they communicate and 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 you know even implicitly plan and into it you know what the vibe of the business was and i'm like that all those things are either directly or indirectly addressed in the box and i can just see you sort of piecing these kind of influences these inspirational people together and also what i was just struck by is that like I worked in corporate for, you know, I worked in corporate for 14 years and of every one of our guests, they all felt just so unique. And I know that I met plenty of wonderful people when I worked in corporate and they, they give you this feeling exactly as you said about Adam. Like I, I, I kind of, I just want to be around them. There's just something that they've got. They're just, there's this magic person. I want to be around them. They're great to be around. You know, they've got a quality and X factor um, and yeah, I think that that's, you know, uh, that's, that's, I think what we've been mining here and, uh, and definitely what I've taken away from the experience. Yeah. Great. And I think, you know, for me, what it's done is it's, it's sort of talked about where we go from here. You know, I think the aspiration, as we've said, is to keep doing the pods. Yes. I, I, I think, you know, whether there'll always be guests, I, I, the challenge I've got in the business, in my business, you know, with the box I live in is I, I think I've, you know, as, you, as you've just articulated, I, I'm a big believer in it. I'm glad you see it as well. I, I think I have the answers. I think though the people that need the answers are not ready at the moment. They don't know what questions to ask. And I think, you know, I've almost feel as though I've said, look, here it is. So someone's come in and said, you know, I want to basically just stop working so hard. And I've gone, great. Well, here's the answer. And they've gone, no, I just want to stop working. Don't show me this 20, you know, six lesson 18 question piece it's almost like there's a step too far and and i think and it's interesting for me because this is partly what i'm having to go back and reevaluate is how do i step people through because i think long term the resources and what we've created and this awareness is bang on but how we get people to there and get them ready for it is almost that immediate need and this is what i've seen through covid you know originally this future proof your life message which is still valid more valid than ever more but that's that, yeah. almost another three six twelve eighteen months plus this how do i take control and empower myself so that i've got the skills to you know as our guests feel empowered to do that and and if i do feel empowered where do i need to focus my time and attention it's it's almost having to step people through those steps to get them to and and so there's some work that i'm going to be doing over the summer and ultimately i mean it's, it's very cool for me that we've been able to do this because as we know we're going to take a summer break and it is for me is is you know the book the, the ubiquitous book is going to get written <laughs> but actually i'm glad i haven't done it so far because like i said this is the stuff that i've been learning with all of our guests is how do we frame that up and how do i step people through if if then and not just say you know here's the answer it's well what's the questions actually that we're trying to solve for and then and then the other thing that's coming in much more now and it's, it's, I've been busy in the last 18 months with the leadership side of things, but this, and, it, and I think it's brought through in all of our guests is the capacity for individuals to lead and, and to what is the system and the process. Mm -hmm. And already, you know, I could be busy. I think next year I can be as busy as I really want to be just with, 
the backlog of we know we need to do something you know, driven by this idea of the great resignation and all this stuff in the press today that people are, you know, just starting to question their life and what's going on. I'm like, this is not new people. It's just that it's more prevalent because people have had time to think, right? <laughs> exactly. People are now compelled, you know, people are compelled to do it. And I think that, you know, if there's anything we can do, it's funny. It's funny how things sometimes work in reverse. I love what you said. Like if season one of the Box I Live In podcast with us chatting to all these amazing guests has really been about like the, here's some answers I love what you said about next season being season two is what were the questions, you know, like <laughs> what are the questions? Because, and sometimes you, that's for whatever reason you have to do things backwards, but I feel like it's like, here are some really great role models and here are some people who found it, but what were the questions that maybe some of them asked that got to those next levels? And I think that that's, you know, we, um, if we can put the spotlight on some real key tools and, and you in this next book writing process, you know, in the midst of the great resignation, start thinking about what are those questions that make these people invaluable and adaptable. I think that that's going to be awesome for us to do. And then we can start targeting some stuff at some guests. We might do some more themed episodes where we've got some real, you know, maybe we've got some questions for some targeted guests next season too, which I think might be really fun, uh, Ben, after like, you know, us unpacking some concepts together, playing around with it, looking at for both from, you know, an educational psychology perspective and applicability across just being a, a learning beings that we are and, and also all of our insights and yours, particularly from the corporate world. I think, I think there's so much to do and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to unpacking it now, you know, in reverse as it were. Well, I think, I think, you know, for me, the, the stories are interesting and it's, it's, it's part of the organic process of any organization or any business. You, you, you know what you want to get, as you said, present state to desired state. Now, how you get there and what you do to flex and adapt is exactly what we're going through. I kind of like that. You know, I, I think talking about it in these forums is interesting for me because normally it's just something that I do. But I think this reflection piece, and if it helps others, you know, and, and I think I'm still, like I said, I enjoy what we do. I, I'm still trying to get my head around why would people listen to this? <laughs> but that's not my problem, right? My problem is to put it through. I think that's the stuff I'm no, dealing I, with. I, I, I think, I think, the, you I know, think you're it, the expert I, in all this, right? Think, so it's, I think Ben, you're, you, you ask, why would people listen to this? And I think, you know, we just very succinctly wrapped up, you know, all of our episodes and our wonderful guests, right. As you were just talking about and the insights that we've shared like so quickly. And I feel like I only just, barely touched on the things that were meaningful for me. And I just think it's like, there are, there are exemplars and there are role models here for many different people from many different walks of life and many different career stages. And sometimes, you know, the exposure to these people, especially in this really, you know, detached world that we've had, you, you just don't get to hear real people and real stories that are really candid um, uh, especially because there's sometimes that ceiling with certain corporate levels that you don't get to sort of understand who these people are. So, you know, talking to CF CEOs and talking to huge, you know, people who are in the, the, you know, the for purpose sector and in act, you know, almost like activists and, and huge HR representatives. I think it's also a bit of a demystifying experience. I think it's, it's valuable, you know, for me as the producer listening, I'm definitely biased, but I'm, I'm. Um, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. You know, it, every episode has a gold nugget of, of insight for me. Well, I think if we go back to what we said about the guests, you know, the more passionate we are and the more we believe in what we're doing, the better it is. And I, yes. and I think I said, like, I certainly believe in what we talk about. Um, 
and I know to a certain degree it's it's for us then it's saying okay well you know the commitment is and you know, let's keep going let's take a break we'll take a break over the summer right we'll we'll we'll, we'll come back in what for us in the probably end of January around that we'll start having a chat in the meantime the box is there the resources are there people are interested www.theboxiliving.com go and do the quiz go and have a look if they've got any thoughts any feedback any comments very open to that get us through the website hit us up on the socials whatever that means <laughs> i got no idea still smash not, still if not. you're on if you're on youtube smash that like button say whatever. that man. you can say that do i say that see i don't know all of that stuff <laughs> hey hey and look and thank you like i said it's it's for me it's fun to have somebody along that gets it but also just to sort of you know support it goes back to what i was saying about working with people that can help you be better at what you want to be at if you're not the expert so i i, I think Let's make the commitment that, you know, we've talked a good game this season. Um, there's some things we've done, which is great. And now there's another set of deliverables for me to do. And we'll come back in the new year and we'll share where we're up to. And we'll start unpacking a few more boxes and hopefully keep people entertained, but also keep them informed and educated. Listen, Ben. We've given them all the answers. Now we're just going to figure out what the hell the questions were. <laughs> yes, I've got the answers. Ask me the questions. That's actually the key. That's it. I'm like, ask me the question. That's actually the bit that I'm the best at. That's the funniest thing, right? The funniest thing is I'm better. I'm, the, I'm at my best. I've worked out when I'm answering questions. And of course, yes. in the COVID world, you don't get that as much. But maybe next year, that's where we go some. All right, mate. Look, um, thank you once again. Stay safe, everybody. If you do want to talk to us, drop us some lines, get in touch. Otherwise, we'll see you in 2022.